Welcome to Just the Parishioner, episode two. I'm Lorenzo Zaragoza. I'm Sean Greeley. Thanks for downloading today's episode, and don't forget to subscribe. These episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Sean, we're, we're all in it now. We're ready to go. Oh, yeah. Second episode. We're, we're on the ground. We are running. Our legs are moving, and we're ready to Tough to run without the legs moving. Listen, <laughs> we've all got legs. We all know how to move them. We're working out the kinks clearly with our banter. Um, the one thing I did want to talk to you about today, because you and your fiance Julia sent it over to my wife and I, uh, was the, the podcast that Mike Schmitz just put out at the beginning of the year. So do you want to talk about that real quick before we go into the topics? Yeah. So for anybody that hasn't seen it, first of all, you should start following some Catholic social media because I think it's been on every Catholic social media. Um, but it's called Bible in a Year. So essentially there's a priest, Father Mike Schmitz, who works with Ascension Presents, and he's a, a college chaplain out in Minnesota. He's uh, very popular, and he's recording himself reading the Bible uh, and he's going to post the recordings on podcast form over the course of a year. Uh, after each reading, he's going to offer some personal reflection and a little bit of education on the reading that he's doing for that week. And honestly, for any everyday Catholic or Christian out there, it's just an awesome way to get Bible literate. I think it's a huge stereotype that Catholics don't read the Bible, or at least traditionally they don't. And that's something that Father Mike Schmitz is trying to help change with the Ascension Presents this year with the Bible in a year, you know, even I, myself, I've been following it for five days in 2021 now. And I can say I've read Genesis before, but I've never really taken the time to actually listen to and read all the names and all the genealogies. And he goes through all of that and he explains why it's important. So well, we, we talked about last week, last week's episode was how we're trying to get better in 2021 as Catholics. And it was fully revealed that I just don't read at all. Um, so this is actually the perfect transition to me, quote unquote, reading the Bible I'm like, yeah, maybe I should read the Bible. Wait, Father Mike Schmitz is going to do it for me. So it's really yeah, good. 100%. Yeah, if you if you want to read along with it, you can. If you have a long commute and you want to listen to it, the, the, the episodes are about 15 to 20 minutes long. Yeah, they're not long. It's not a long time. I'm so. curious if they're going to be longer as, as, as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. I suspect that they will if they're really going to get through. They may be easing into it. Yeah. yeah. it's. Got, I mean, I was kind of wondering how they're going to do it in 365 days. He's only doing two chapters a day right now. I, I don't think it's every book, though. I think for, it is. I don't think it is. Challenge. Okay. Let us know. Challenge, yeah. Hey, get on our, get on our social media and tell us if we're wrong. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I don't know. Look into it, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm a big podcast guy, so that just fits right into me not reading and uh, and me listening to more podcasts, which is great. Uh, speaking of podcasts, we should probably get back to ours uh, today. We've got a great show, and today we're going to be talking about discernment. So, um, Sean, what is what is discernment? Discernment. So, if you're discerning, right? If you're discerning something, that means that you have a decision in your life that you're trying to figure out in the lens of God. That's kind of how I would put it. You're try- if you're actively discerning from a religious sense, you're inviting God into the conversation, into your decision-making process. Uh, that that's the most basic definition I can think of for it. I mean, when people think about discernment, it's usually you know, like oh, only big things. People, you know, the big things is what normally people think about. But is it only big things that you're really discerning on? It can be little things in life. And what would your opinion be on that? Yeah, it doesn't need to be. I, you're 100% right. I think that, especially within the church, if you're discerning, people immediately think of priesthood, marriage, or religious life. And honestly, priesthood is the biggest one that people would think of if. If a young man tells you he's discerning, you're immediately thinking, oh, well, he's discerning priesthood. 
Right. But so like yeah, vocations is, is like one of the biggest things that vocation associate I, vocations, discernment, vocations, discernment. A hundred percent. Yeah. And even within vocation, there's like the big V that is the, the marriage, the religious life, the priesthood. And then there's the little V's, which are the, the little things that God calls you to every day in your life. That's where discernment really comes into play for your everyday Catholic and for anybody who is quote unquote, just a parishioner, right? You're going to be making decisions every day. And sometimes they're big decisions for you in your life. Sometimes you're changing jobs. Sometimes you're, you know, deciding to move into a house or deciding to start a family or anything like that. Those, those are huge decisions and inviting God into it can be extremely helpful in making those decisions. They may not make it easier, but it will be helpful. Right. And so that's what we're going to be talking about later and talking about the things that we've had to discern about. Discern about? Is that the right way to say it? Discern. Discern on? Yeah. Just discern. Just discern. Okay. <laughs> if we're getting really grammatical, yeah, just discern. I don't read, so it is what it is. Uh, we're going to be talking about the things that we've had to discern. Just, just to life. be clear, I'm not 100% sure grammatical is a word either. But So continue. reach out to us on social media and let us know which one of us is the bigger idiot. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. However, just like every week before we jump into the topic, we're going to be doing a new parishioner profile. Uh, if you want to hear my parishioner profile, it was in episode one, uh, which was last episode. So today's parishioner profile is coming from Sean Greeley. You guessed it. So like I said, we're going to be having more of them down the road. Uh, however, today's is going to be Sean. So uh, why don't we just jump right into it? Again, well, so what a parishioner profile is and the, the whole purpose of it is we want to bring on everyday Catholics, everyday parishioners, just like you, the listener, uh, because everybody's story is going to be a little different and you might relate to Sean's or somebody else's. Uh, you might not relate to mine or vice versa. So that's why we want to get what Sean's story looks like, how he got to where he is today as a Catholic. Um, so Sean, jump right in. Sure. You know, growing up, I was, I was Catholic my whole life, but, you know, just like I think many people, especially coming from, you know, a very culturally Catholic area like we did in the, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, but I'm in New York now, this area of the country, it's very culturally Catholic. Um, but yeah, I was raised with the sacraments and everything and was, went to Sunday school and my whole life and received confirmation when I was in 10th grade. And so it's 10th grade where you're from. In my parish it was, which is, I had no clue people did eighth grade or even younger than that before I really came to New York, actually. So I, like I think that. it's I just I like a, that better, personally. Me too. I think it was my diocese that did it, Diocese Patterson. Shout out, Diocese Patterson. But, um, yeah, so when I was in high school, I went to Catholic high school, and, and not for any particularly religious reason, but by the time I was a senior, that's when I really started to ask questions about God. Interior questions. Did you go into Catholic school before high school? No. I was in public school up until ninth grade. Was that opportunity there for you or no? No. Just like it? No. Yeah. No, my parents just wanted to send us to public school. And honestly, the reason we went to, to Catholic school is my older brother was slipping in grades in eighth grade. And my parents gave him an ultimatum. And he didn't meet it. And then he ended up getting sent to Catholic school. And from there, he went to the United States Military Academy, West Point. Which shout is, out Brian. Shout out Brian. <laughs> my brother. And he obviously is an extremely competitive and, and prestigious school. And from there, it was no question of where I was going or where my younger brother were going either. Right. Now, neither of us went to as prestigious school. So you tell me who won. But um, ultimately, I think I did because it did introduce me to God and, and the idea of God in my life. From there in college, I went to a non-sectarian school. It wasn't a religious school or anything like that, Hofstra University. And I got involved in the campus ministry on, on the college campus pretty quickly in my freshman year. 
and I was 100% just living a college life, like stereotypical going to parties and trying to meet girls and like all these other things going on. But Shout in, out Julia. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> I was going to mass on Sundays. Thank God there was a couple of uh, people in my dorm who were going to because they dragged me from for the first couple of months of school. And then I got to know some people and I started caring a little bit more about it. And went on a mission trip my freshman year that kind of altered the way I viewed the church. It, it kind of introduced me, one, to the beauty of the church itself, and two, uh, to the community that can be had through the church. You know, I got to hang out with 25 other students that were within the same age range of me who truly, many of them truly loved the church and had a serious relationship with the Eucharist. And those are things that I had never seen before, even through Catholic school. I, I, Was that I, your first mission trip? You never went on a mission trip in high school at all? Never. Okay. No. Um, not, and this mission trip... That, it was, that, that sound, the way I said that, it sounded judgy, but if, if you I want mean, to listen to my personal profile, it wasn't. So I mean, 99% of people wouldn't even go on one in college, right? But I went... Uh, uh, my first mission trip was literally a 20-minute drive from campus. It was the year Hurricane Sandy hit New York, and there was just a huge amount of destruction. And I was actually in my current town that I reside in now, or city of Long Beach. My hometown. Your hometown. And the, the city was pummeled, as you know, by all the, the storm surge and the sand and everything that came up off the ocean. So we were down here just cleaning up people's basements, digging sand out of people's basements, putting up new drywall in people's houses. Extremely unskilled labor that, honestly, a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds had no business down here doing, but it was greatly needed at the time. So uh, I, that was my exposure to, to mission work and I went because it was extremely cheap and extremely close to campus, and I wasn't going to have to sacrifice too much of my break for it, and I knew it was a good thing to do. God used that to, to turn my heart towards him in such an incredible way. And from there, I got extremely involved in my campus ministry. So that you would call that one of your defining moments? I would say for my faith life, that trip was the defining moment. The, wow. The, the singular defining... I wouldn't say it's the defining moment for my entire faith life, I guess, but it is the pivotal moment where... I went from more of a casual Catholic, even though I was going to Mass every every weekend for that time going up to it, I wasn't considering real theological questions, real philosophical questions in my own life. I wasn't valuing people the way that they should be, and I, I certainly wasn't valuing myself the way that I should be. Yeah, so on I, behalf of Long Beach, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, we had no pardon. What Sandy did to us. Yeah, well, <laughs> shout out to Father Brian, the pastor down here, and he's still the pastor. He was brand new at that point, but yeah. he, he welcomed us down there in, with open arms, and he, he was a big part in that too. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm definitely saying I haven't been perfect since then. Nobody is perfect, right? Even the greatest saints, I can imagine, stumbled a lot after they had their conversion experiences. But, and not to say I'm the greatest saint in the world because God knows I'm not, but... Um, I think from then forward in college, just making my faith a really active part of my life where I got very involved in campus ministry and took on leadership positions. And to the point where eventually some of those big questions that I started asking myself led me to start discerning priesthood, um, kind of what we were mentioning before as far as the big V vocation goes. I, from a, When I was a kid, I always wanted to get married and have a family. but. When I was in school, I recognized, one, my own college chaplain and just how awesome he was, uh, Father Greg. He was 
very young, but more than that, he was very relatable, very personable, gave great homilies, and knew his stuff. He, he really could hammer down anything that we had questions about. And it was probably, just... Probably one of the most intelligent people I, I know. Well, yeah, like right. just, and again, talking about outside of theology, just right. in general. hundred percent. Yeah. I could quote like a dumb movie. I could quote like Austin Powers or something and he would get it, you know? And at the, the same, mark of intelligence. The mark of intelligence. <laughs> well, I'm just saying culturally, obviously everybody knows America's greatest achievement is Austin Powers, right. but we can go from that to talking about Thomas Aquinas and he'll quote the Summa. So he's kind of like back and forth. He's able to, you know, he'll, he'll golf with you and he'll grab a beer with you, but he'll also sit down and give you spiritual direction and hear your confession. Yeah, so. I mean, somebody who's relatable but super intelligent like that, it's awesome. Exactly. I hope Father Greg listens to this. We're really gassing him up a lot right now. I'm, I'm editing it out. It's fine. Oh, perfect, perfect. Uh, so, yeah, you know, doing spiritual direction with him, I was in college and just trying to figure out what to do. And I got to the point at the end of my junior year where I told myself, I have to give myself the opportunity to see if I'm going to be a priest, if God wants me to be a priest. And that was my first real experience with discernment, like we're talking about. Trying to, I did my best, as immature as I was at you know, 21 years old, trying to invite God into that decision, asking him, God, I'm going to go to seminary, and if you want me to be a priest, I want you to help me become one. If not, then just make that clear to me. I had the idea that I was going to go for a year uh, and, and make a decision at the end of the year whether or not well, maybe not a final decision, but try to decide whether or not God really wanted to encourage me on that path. And things didn't go really as planned. I left after one semester. Mm. Um, hardest time of my life, for sure. Uh, obviously, just a big change in lifestyle and everything, going to live in a house of 50-plus guys that I had really no prior relationship with hardly any of them. And also getting steeped in theology and philosophy and Latin and all these things that you know, I studied exercise science in school, so it wasn't all totally foreign to me because I had read a decent amount on my own, but it was just a very big paradigm shift. So, so what, what, what I can imagine, again, I'm not in that scenario, never was, but what I can imagine might be one of the most difficult things is the, the thought that you're letting God down by leaving the seminary. Am I right in that assumption? Oh, yeah. You have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. how many times have you heard that the church is in desperate need of priests? Right. You know, and this, you hear these statistics of, you know, how many, what percentage of priests right now are over the age of 50? And in 30 years, like the drastic drop in priests we're going to have, you know, I think something we're going to have less than half the number of priests we do in the U.S. now, 25 years from now, just based on, you know, priests will get older, they'll retire, they'll die, and there's just no one coming in afterwards right? compared to, you know, 50 years ago. So being one of the guys, it, I, and I'll say like the vocations process was never aggressive. It was never pushy or anything like that. But there was always a sense of God, if God is calling you towards this, you're like, you're like a Navy SEAL. You're like one of the select few that he wants to come fight his battle for him on earth. And there's something extremely powerful and appealing about that to any man, but especially a young man in high school or college, uh, the, the idea of fighting God's spiritual battle here on earth. And I was, I was fired up by it, but I was also terrified by it. And, you know, I'm not comparing myself to a soldier or something, but the, the experience would be almost like you're being called into, it's like getting a draft letter, right? And part of you is almost praying that they find something wrong with you that you don't have to go into battle. Right. 
because you're you're scared of what that battle's going to do to you or or do to the reality of your life after that. Um, now, all that's to say, I'm not saying that I ran away from battle by leaving the seminary or that any other man who doesn't go to seminary or anything like that is less of a man. That is not the case. Or for that matter, any man or woman who thinks they might do a religious life and decides not to, to enter into a novitiate or anything like that. That's not the case. But uh, it's all personal discernment and personal right. prayer with God. I spent those you know, four or five months or so praying pretty intensely about what God wanted me to do. Certainly wasn't a perfect seminarian by any stretch of the imagination. Certainly I fell asleep in the chapel more than a few times. But um, I'll say that as taxing as that time was, it really shaped my ability to communicate with God in prayer. And if nothing else, that might be what God wanted me to know right. coming out of seminary. I'm not 100% sure. I've been out of seminary for about four years now. Um, You'll probably never five. know 100%. Yeah, and, <laughs> until, God willing, I, I meet Jesus in heaven and right. he can explain it to me. Yeah. That would be it. Um, there's something he wanted me to know, but I guess we'll find out someday. Um, going from there, you know, I, I, I moved back home with my parents at 23, and that was something I didn't want to have to do, so I immediately started trying to find work and everything. And I, I worked in a, in a health coaching role for a few months there while I was living at home. And then my former campus minister in college sent me a link for a campus ministry job at a college in New Jersey. And there was, there was a cool opportunity there to exercise the form of ministry that I was very familiar with in the real world and professionally, as opposed to just doing it as a student, even though I was technically young enough to still be a student. Um, and coming out of seminary, there was a real part of me that wanted to do ministry, obviously hadn't gone through the ordination process or anything, but wanted to be able to give back in that kind of way. You know, the service trips, the, the missions, the, the learning, all the catechism that goes along with it. There's something that I wanted to do there. So I ended up applying and getting hired for a job in campus ministry at Montclair State University in New Jersey. And I had a great, incredible couple of years there. Um, the I first mean, it seemed like it seemed like a good transition from where you were. Yeah, yeah, it was. It really was, and you know, it was cool because I was young enough to be able to relate to the students, but you know, quote unquote, wise enough a couple of years out of college to be able to, you know, look back on my times in college and thinking about the things I did and the things I didn't do, and hopefully be able to offer some guidance to the students. Also, I was able to work with some great Focus missionaries. Focus is the Fellowship of University Catholic Students. Uh, Catholic University students, and it's a missionary group that helps to bring college students to to Jesus and to the Eucharist. So I I was able to partner with them and with the chaplain there to you know try to offer as much to the students in the in the um, Catholic center there as possible. So two years there, I mean, it was it was very well spent. I will say that after about a year and a half, I started feeling a little anxious about the future. You know, I was 25 at that point. I was starting to think about down the road, if, you know, if I'm not going back to seminary and I'm going to be, you know, dating and potentially getting married someday, how do I make this whole ministry or non, not doing ministry thing work long term? I want to be able to support a family. I want my wife to have options, whether or not she would want to work or not. I want to be able to support, you know, as many kids as God is going to bless us with when that time comes. And I wasn't even dating anybody seriously or anything at the time, but they were all just questions that were very present in my mind. And 
again, like a huge period of discernment where I was in the chapel in the, in the Catholic center, the Newman center every day praying just for guidance, for clarity on that. Um, and, you know, praise God, there was a cool opportunity that came up in a completely different field in, in medical sales that I was able to apply for and ultimately was hired for. Leaving that job was very, very difficult. And I had formed really great relationships with the chaplain, the staff, the focused missionaries, and most importantly, the students that was really hard to let go of. But I think that's where, like I said, discernment doesn't make things easier, but it does make it right. Again, I'm putting myself in your shoes and you're already in, in, in the state where I, I kind of turn my, you didn't turn your back on God, but again, sometimes it might feel that way leaving the seminary, mm-hmm. right? And again, we've already established that that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. You've just grown to realize that that wasn't, you know, what you think that he was calling you to do. Right. But you know what? I'll be a campus minister instead. <laughs> so you do that for a couple of years. You're like, I got to get up now. I'm, now I'm out. <laughs> now yeah. I'm out of that. So, I mean, it's, you're kind of doubling down in that situation. That's, yeah, I, like that's, turn my back on God twice. <laughs> in your words, <laughs> those were my words because I couldn't find other words to, to put it. But obviously, right. that's not what I mean, and that's not how you. That's not I how know. you should yeah. feel. Let's put it that way. That's not how you should feel. But I wouldn't blame you for feeling that way, mm-hmm. right? Well, I think yes, you're right because that was a huge struggle, and the, the, even I'll say like the the chaplain and the diocese that I was working in, they were very generous as far as you know trying to work with me to. You know, they, they increased all the campus minister's salary um, slightly to try to make it a little bit more reasonable to keep the job for more than a couple of years. I mean, campus minister jobs, at least in my experience, most of them are people in their, you know, low to mid-20s who work in it because it's one of the first things out of college they'll do if they have ministerial experience, do, you know, as a leader in campus ministry themselves. And it doesn't pay well, just very frankly. Catholic jobs aren't going to pay well 95% of the time, right? Right. From a material standpoint, now the, the spiritual benefit and the relationships formed and the, the fact that you are, you know, ostensibly doing God's work on earth here, all of that pays for itself. That's, that's a non-factor. But there does come a point where material need is material need. And unfortunately, you know, living in a state like New Jersey or New York, it's a little tougher to, to make ends meet sometimes if you're thinking about down the road. I was, I've, I reasoned with myself and, you know, was, I was talking to spiritual directors. I was talking to a therapist. I was talking to many people, talking to all my friends about whether I could make it work. And if I could, like what that would look like. And it eventually just got to a point where it, it seemed like not only did it seem almost not feasible, but it also seemed like this isn't where God wants me to go. Dude, it sounds like getting out of a Catholic job is harder than getting out of the mob. That's literally <laughs> yeah. just just from just from our conversation alone, and just from conversations with other people. It's like right. it, it's you know just pulling at your heart, like man, like I think this is what's best for me. But again, that's where discernment comes into play. Again, not to take the topic and put it into your profile, but uh, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we want to talk about discernment you know, yeah. in a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, just to touch on it now, like I'll say during that period, I really familiarized myself with St. Ignatius of Loyola and in his writings, he wrote a lot about discernment. Um, that's a huge part of Ignatian spirituality is, you know, doing it, doing an Ignatian exam every day is inviting God into your life, reflecting on where he was present and where you didn't allow him to be present 
um, where you accepted him and where you denied him and trying to resolve to do better in the future. That's a huge role in the active discernment process. So Ignatius wrote that there's kind of three ways that God makes himself known to you through the discernment process or, you know, three, three ways that you can resolve discernment, right? The first one is the, the Mother Teresa handbook, right? God just appears to you in a very clear, not necessarily loud, but a very clear way and tells you this is your decision you have to make. There's the famous story of Mother Teresa being on a train and the voice of God just letting her know that she needs to go to Calcutta and serve the poorest of the poor in India. And she did, and God bless her for doing it because she's one of the greatest saints definitely in the last century, but I would say ever. Right. Um, Recently, recency bias, but... Sure, of yeah. course, yeah. <laughs> Listen, all the saints are great, yeah. but Mother Teresa, especially, obviously, being able to see pictures and video and everything of her, right. it's incredible. Don't get me wrong, I agree with you, but, yeah. but I'm curious if there's any recency bias there. Sure, sure. For all our listeners, just to be clear, Lorenz doesn't like Mother Teresa. Yeah, Got it. Okay. didn't say that at all, but that's fine. <laughs> Continue. So that's one way, right? Very clear voice from God. The second one is... Not necessarily a clear voice, but like a pretty sure, pretty sure is what I would say. Like I have these two or three options and I'm really not sure. And maybe they're all good. Maybe one of them is more good than the other. But there's some stuff working on you that is wanting you to go in that direction. But you're pretty sure. And in your prayer, you feel like God is making you lean towards one of them. So you go with it. That's kind of the second way to resolve your discernment. Now, the third one is if you're really not sure at all, right? So you have two choices. For me, it was I'd stay in campus ministry for at least another year. I maybe try to go get an advanced degree in theology or something else along those lines. I stick with it for, with these students. That's obviously a good choice. Like there is nothing wrong with that choice. Or I have this medical sales opportunity that's presented. Uh, not only is it work that ultimately does help people in, in, its, in, in the finality of it. But it's also, you know, a good career. It's potentially lucrative down the road. It's good uh, baseline for starting, building up towards the point where you'll be able to support a family in a pretty comfortable lifestyle. That's also a good thing. And, you know, I know as, as Christians and Catholics, sometimes we get down on ourselves for thinking about like, oh, like we're not made for comfort, we're made for greatness, right? But there's nothing wrong with wanting a comfortable lifestyle for you and your family. If you're a husband or a wife and you're, you have kids, the number one priority for you is making sure your kids are safe, giving them a good life, obviously trying to get them to heaven and raising them with faith so that they can get others to heaven as well. Those are your priorities, right? So, and, by, I, and by leaving, you opened up another position for somebody else to fill as a campus minister. I didn't get into the weeds with that, but yeah. <laughs> but you're right in some sense. You could tell them I did this for you. I left yeah. for you. Yeah, right? that's right. I don't know. I don't know if everybody was seen it that way at the time, but it's the way I see it. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Right. Um, so I had these two choices, and in that sense, they're both good things, but none of them feels very clear, clearly right. And then. In Ignatian's words, paraphrased, God gave you a conscience. He gave you free will. And if you trust in him, that's, you know, he, he designed free will so that you would place your full trust and faith in him and then make the choice that's right. And that's what you have to do as a human being. You yeah. have to make a choice. 
you can't be idle. I mean, if you actually read Dante's Inferno when he writes Didn't about, read it, just... No, I, I, you know, <laughs> senior year English reading in high school, but um, at least for me, but he visits this, the seven circles of hell and Virgil was leading him through these circles and one of them is people who are attached to these sails that blow them around constantly and they're never in one spot because it, their, their punishment is equal to the crime. They allow themselves to never be firm on a decision, to never ground themselves in something, and they just blow with the wind. That's, right. that's essentially what it is. So we're charged with, just by, in the sense of our humanity, we're charged to make decisions and to stand by them and to make those decisions based on a relationship with God. And that's what I, that's what I had to do right. in that situation. Um, that's, I think those three steps, those three kind of like ways of viewing discernment are so powerful. And I think probably 90% of the time we're going to end up in that third step, right? Where it's not necessarily that one choice is best unless, unless we're considering something that is just objectively bad, right? right. That's, that's a clear answer. But if two things are good, which can be the case. Two things can be good at the same time. You have to make a choice. And yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Sure. You know, the difference between what, you know, what things you should be discerning on, and what, you know, like you said, it's <laughs> there's nothing to discern. It's just yeah. God. God, <laughs> you just got to look to the catechism. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, like, there is black and white. In right. The world, for yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I, I didn't want to cut you off. You know, if you want to wrap up your personal profile, and then we can talk even more into discernment, but. I don't yeah. want to rush you on that because it's... A... Well, I guess I'll go into one last point that was big for me very recently is... Um, starting you know, the podcast. Starting the podcast. Yeah. I had to discern that a lot. I was like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to sit at Lorenz's bar and have a bourbon while Just we talk kidding. about that, it? That was a given. This, this was is easy. one of the things that, that was a given. But Yeah. Um, no, the, I mean, I've been working this job for over a year now. And in that time period, I also started dating... Uh, a girl that I went to college with for one of the years that I was in school. She was a freshman when I was a senior and we kind of stayed connected over the course of the period of time when I was in New Jersey. She, we stayed connected while I was in seminary. And then when I came back to New York after I got this job, we started talking a little bit. We started going on some dates and during that time period, anybody who's married or is dating and actively discerning marriage can tell you just how difficult but also how joyful it is to think about marriage when you have somebody really special in your life, when you have somebody that you know draws you closer to God and you hope that you draw them closer to God. Um, helps if they can make you laugh and like to have fun and all that too. That helps. That helps. That, you know, I, we're being facetious. That's a must just for anybody listening, but... Right. That's kind of what I found myself in when I was dating uh, over the course of the last year or so. Um, and just recently, a few weeks ago, I, I got down on one knee and proposed to my now fiance. And we're getting married next year. Which is so, awesome. Well, I guess technically this year now. This but, year, right. Yeah. 2021. Uh, we, so I did say congratulations last week, but I will say congratulations again. Uh, if you want to pull back the curtain a little bit. This is super awkward because she's literally sitting in the room as we as we record this podcast. We won't pan the camera. No, we will not. But uh, but no, it, it's I mean, again, nothing to glaze over because that is uh, a great ending, well, great ending to personal profile to this point, right? And and it's just, I mean, it's appropriate that we are talking about discernment today because your 
profile essentially is one after the other, uh, mm-hmm. much much more so than a lot of people that I know. Now, with that said, there are other people who, I mean, we all have big choices that we need to make in our lives. However, not not as many as you did in regards to uh, what God is calling you to do from a vocation perspective, mm-hmm. right? Some do. Some have a lot more, but you know, most lay people, I, I think it's safe to assume, do not. Um, so I think it's great for the listeners to hear, uh, just again, from a perspective of discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one, thank you for sharing, uh, your personal profile. Uh, we are going to be jumping into the topic of discernment. Sure. Uh, you know, we are going to tie our personal stories even more so, uh, into it. Uh, but before we do, uh, we want to talk to you, the listeners about the Halo app, right, Sean? Yeah. Uh, so for anybody that hasn't seen it yet or hasn't heard about it, uh, the Hallow app is a Catholic prayer and meditation app. Get it on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Um, the, the Apple, was the App Store, I guess? I think it's still iTunes. App Store. No, you're right. Yeah, App Store. Um, so it's just Hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W. So in addition to, you know, awesome guided prayer, meditation, um, scripture readings every day, there's prayers specifically designed to be played when you're trying to go to sleep at night or trying to wind down the day. There are morning prayers that you can start your day with. There's a daily recorded rosary. They also offer programs, um, kind of like group prayer activities. So they are often doing a 54-day novena, ro- rosary novena. They, there was a great Advent challenge uh, there was last month. excellent was Advent awesome. challenge yep. where they did the daily readings during Advent and offered some prayer and meditation and reflection over that. Daily Lexio Divina for anybody who likes to do that. And on top of that, uh, I know we talked about the uh, Bible in a Year recordings. That's actually being played, the Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year, being played on the Hallow app as well. So if you're not on iTunes uh, app, uh, podcasts, or if you're not on Spotify or whatever other programs are hosting those, you can always get it on the Halo app as well. Yeah, and the, the really cool thing is that Halo does have a free version of it. However, there is a premium subscription that you have uh, that you can have with Halo again, uh, Halo that you have to pay for on a monthly basis. But um, you know, through the podcast link tree that we have, I'm sorry, the Instagram link tree that we have, there's a link to the Halo app uh, where you get three free months of the premium subscription. Um, so you could go to our Instagram page at just a parishioner, follow the link tree, and uh, you'll be able to get to that three free months of the premium subscription. Uh, we could all also put a link at the bottom of the show notes as well. All yes. right. So again, that's Hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W. Um, but let's jump into it. Let's talk about discernment, Sean. Um, a lot of things that you had to discern. Yeah. Did I use that right? See? You did. Good yes. job. That was good. I don't need to read. We're good. By the way, I know we, I kind of jumped the gun. We got into discernment a little bit already, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it a little bit more right now. Sure. I mean, so uh, before we go into personal stories, uh, I, I was, again, going into today's podcast. I actually did some research. Proud of me. And uh, Father Mike Schmitz, coincidentally, he did a little segment on it, and he was talking about you know, number one, uh, and we kind of hinted at this before, there's really nothing you need to discern if you if what you're discerning is right or wrong, <laughs> a mm-hmm. sin or not, yep. right? Uh, again, the example that he gave, and again, pull back the curtain, my wife's in the room too, but the example that Father Mike Schmitz said is uh, you shouldn't need to discern whether to cheat on your wife or not. Right. right. There's nothing you need to discern, yeah. right? Because that is clearly just not okay. That's not a you and God problem. That's a you problem. That's a you problem right there. Um, but if you do find that 
there is some gray area, or not not even gray area, but just something that you need to pray on and speak to God about. There are four doors that you should really knock on um, while you're discerning. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, but, but uh, before I got into it, right? But number one is the door good. Mm. So is is what I'm discerning good mm. or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily a sin or not, but is it is it good? Yeah, and that's not always the easiest thing to tell. Right. It takes exactly. a little uh, a little conscious reflection on that. Right. Uh, number two, is it open? Is it even a possibility? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if it's not a possibility, you know, you, you kind of have your answer there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, number three, is it wise? Which I like. And number four, and this was one that he said he loves and I do too, but you also hate, is is it something that I want? Mm. Right? And that's, that's something that is very, very difficult because you need to redefine or you need to, you need to define what is want. Mm. Um, because there are things that you could want now, but is it something that you're going to want long term? Right. right. I want it today, but I will I want it long term. So want is very loosely defined when it comes to those four doors, or at least in, in my head they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, well, the first thing I want to say is the number three with the wisdom is incredible. That's such an important point, especially in the framework framework of the church. Because we do have the church for wisdom. Right. That's the reason we have it. Obviously, wisdom can be garnered in your own personal life, or you can talk to your, your parents or your grandparents or any you know, older or more experienced people for that. But the reason we have the church is for the magisterium, for the 2,000-plus years of teaching and experience that, and, and collective prayer that can lead us on those decisions. So 100% wisdom is, you know, if it's not wise in the lens of the church, that is a big red flag, I think, when you're trying to discern. Right. But how many things, and, and I, I kind of focused in on the open, right? Because how many th- how many times do you try to think of decisions you need to make before you even know if it's an opportunity or not? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I, I, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you wrap your head and you stress so much. And you even pray to God, like, is this something I should be doing? It's like, dude, is it even an option? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, like the, like the, uh, the 21 year old guy, like, I don't know, should I date this girl? Should I not? I don't know. Maybe I should pray about it. Maybe I should speak to God about it. Dude, she's dating somebody. It's not even an option right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, like little things like that, you, like before you, before you wrap your head around it mm-hmm. and stress out about it and go to God for it, like, is it even open? Is it right. even an option for you right now? Yeah, so that's yeah. the one I kind of focused on there. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're the high school senior that's applying for schools and you're stressing out about which one to go to and you're asking God about it, first of all, God bless you for that. But second of all, get into the school before in, you yeah. worry about it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, send the application and see if it's an option. Right, but I mean, those four doors, and we can talk about the other two another time, but I, I just like that four-door attitude towards it. Sure. Um, especially wants, but I think that's a, a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, let, let's, I mean, personally, you know, where, where, where do you draw the line of when you need to actually go to God? Um, or not. I mean, we should be going to God on a daily basis. However, I'm not going to ask him what I should have for dinner. You sure. Know? So like, where do you draw the line of, of when to pray about a big decision? I think it's a both end with that because you can invite God into every single action you do and every single decision you make. I, I honestly forget what the saint's name is, but there's a quote, great quote from a saint that says, I, he, he was a like a line cook essentially. Um, and he said, every day I, I flip my omelet in my pan and give God glory for it. You know, like that everyday stuff is and should be attributable to God, you know, and we should ask him to bless our every action. But that being said, I think for me, a lot of the time I end up on my knees 
turning to God when it is a big decision, when it's something that feels life-altering. Now, that's not to say that's right, because that that's the only time you do it, but that's the time when, as humans, we feel the smallest, I think. And the thing is, you don't, we don't need God to make a decision in our lives. That was very clearly the case if you read Adam and Eve, you know, the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They didn't make that decision with God to, to eat the fruit. And we don't need God to make decisions in our lives. And we can choose to do things based on whatever perceptions of the world or, or desires we have or other outside influences are trying to turn us towards. I, I, I mean, just inter- I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think people can take that way too far mm-hmm. and, and try to uh, alleviate the load of, of, de- of decision making for themselves. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, I mean, I don't want to make this decision. God, make it for me. It's like, no, like he gave you right. the brain to be able to do it. But and, on the, and the judgment and the conscience. Definitely. But on the other end of the spectrum, you can go too far with not including God in the decision. And that's kind of, I think that's where a lot of the world is right now. You know, like how many... I can speak to Yeah, more do that than what I just said, but you're right. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah, that's more, you're talking like scru- scrupulosity, like people getting like, oh, maybe not scrupulosity necessarily. Big word, man. Yeah, you yeah. Take it as disrespect. Watch your mouth. <laughs> right? I think um, I think more more people in my circles, for sure, would not even include God in the conversation. And right. So with big things, so I'm talking not necessarily priesthood or marriage uh, or religious life or whatever. I'm talking... I think I want to change my job, kind of like what I was talking about before. Or me and my wife have two kids, and we might want a third one, but we're not sure on that. Right. And we're just not we're not clear on what we're supposed to do right now, you know? Those things, you, you, you want to go to God and hope that he's going to give you some direction on it. And it's funny, so like the word discern comes from a Latin root, from this word discere, which actually means to learn. That's the same root as disciple. So those those were the students of Jesus. Um, when we're discerning, we're actually putting ourselves at the feet of the teacher, who is Jesus, right? He was he was the rabbi who led the world to salvation. And when we allow ourselves to discern, we're putting ourselves at his feet. It's almost like we're there on the Sermon on the Mount asking like these questions, God, like what, what are we supposed to do here? Jesus, can you direct me? Because I'm really not sure in my small, small-mindedness of the world that I have the ability to experience, I don't know what to do. So I'm looking to you and right. the church to help direct me on that. Let, let me ask you this, because I want your opinion on it, and I'm genuinely asking you, is, I, I, I know the answer is there's no one right way to discern, right? right? However, is it appropriate to say, God, God send me a sign, or... Or are you, or should you really just be asking for guidance that you should feel in your gut? Mm. Um, I mean, what would you like? What's your answer to that? If my uh, fiance Julia was on, she'd be rolling her eyes because we we have conversations where she, I she is. No, she, no, I'm just she knows that I'm not a big fan personally of like the whole sign mentality, but that is only because I think it gets romanticized too much. Sure, where. People will say like, oh, I saw a rainbow in the sky and I knew that that was a sign that my grandmother was looking over me today. I hate to tell you that, but that's probably not the case. Doesn't mean your grandmother... Debbie Downer, oh my god! I'm not saying that your grandmother wasn't looking over you today because she very well could have been. But that rainbow is probably just the effect of a science science thing going on. 
And that's, that may be over-rationalistic. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying God doesn't work through physical miracles, though, because that is 100% the case. And I think there are times where if you are faithfully praying and you ask God to do something in your life that's going to help you make a decision, that can happen. I'm not downplaying that yeah. at all. Um, I'm just not saying it happens quite as often as people think it does, I think. And, and to be honest, I know I kind of just gave you a hard time there, but it, I'm kind of in your camp, too. And I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. But you just hear people say ridiculous things, and 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 then I tend to roll my eyes, like, right. uh, yeah, cool sign, bro, like, yeah, like, yeah. But mo- but like you said, most likely not. Now, double and, and it ta- but it takes away, but it takes away from from true signs. Like it takes yeah. away um, if you look at our uh, one of the posts on our Instagram page, uh, one of the parishioners, Mike Leahy, tells a story. I believe I think it was about his grandmother or. or, or it was, it was somebody that he knew, and this was, it, it seemed too coincidental to be a mm-hmm. sign. Uh, look it up for yourself. But it, yeah. it, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I think I buy that. Mm-hmm. I buy that. And other people, like the grandma rainbow thing, kind of takes away from, you know, the effect of true signs that God gives us. So yeah. I think my frustration kind of falls in line with yours, too. Yeah. And, and now at the end of the day, too, like... I when we're answering this question, it's like Jesus tells us that to have the faith of a child and whoever is, whoever loves these children and is like them will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. And maybe that there's a kid or maybe there's an adult whose grandma gave them a a rainbow ornament every year or something. And then on the day of their grandma's death, they see a rainbow. Who am I to denounce that? That is, that could very well be a sign from God, right? That, see now that I believe more than your, your initial one. Exactly. It's just a random exactly. day. It's funny with the context, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that, right? When we're talking about sign. What was the second part of your initial question? I don't I'm even sorry. know anymore. Yeah. No, it, it was, it's, it's, you know, should I ask for signs or should I just ask God to guide me and, and, you know, and trust my gut instinct? And oh, that's God so talking what I'll say with the gut instinct too. So you have to be careful with that, I think. Um, so the answer is neither. Got it. It's, it's both and. <laughs> okay. The, the, the church is very rarely either or. It's usually both and. Mm. Um, so I think when you're going gut instinct, there's a, there's a fine line you have to walk between what are my almost like animal instincts. Not animal as in like you're a dog or a monkey, but as in what is a naturally occurring or a naturally desirous thing that I, I want. You know, kind of like you were talking about want or I'll use the word desire. And like you said, we can flush this out on a different episode sometime. But there are things that may be good, good in the sense that we desire it because it's at base a good thing, but isn't necessarily good for our morality or for our souls. Right. right. My gut instinct is to tell me to pour another bourbon right now. Exactly. Yeah. Not God telling me that. Right. There are things that like are good, but may not lead you to a good path. Right. So that's one sense of the whole gut feeling. The other side of it is I'll say in my own personal prayer, especially when I was discerning priesthood, when I was in college, there would be just really intense moments of prayer and I would feel a physical change. Right. Not like I was getting stronger or anything like there was no Hulk or Spider-Man moment, unfortunately, but Tom Holland, Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire. (laughs) I always mix those up because they're just interchangeable in my mind. Um, so I would, it almost felt like it feels almost like there's a a stress coming off your whole body. And like, for me, it would always kind of like start from the back of my head down my shoulders and feel like just kind of like almost like this spiritual, I won't say massage because it sounds a little strange, but just like this pouring over of the spirit. 
Now, I'm sure there is a legitimate physiological explanation hormonally or something like that for that. But I also believe that God designed our bodies to be in tune with him when we are making ourselves spiritually in tune with him as well. What's so funny is that like we're here laughing about the grandma rainbow story, rolling our eyes at that. And then somebody can very easily roll their eyes at what you just said too. Right. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, same camp though, man, I buy that more than the grandma rainbow. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like it's tough with, you know, we think about virtues and we think about the theological virtues are faith, hope, and love, right? right? Faith, hope, and charity. And faith is required to enter into those at all. Right. So yes, with the grandma rainbow thing, I'm usually more often than not skeptical of that. But with the personal prayer thing, I, I'm a total culprit of believing in that. Right. So the gut feeling, the physical reaction, all that can be legitimate in, in my book. But you, with the asterisk that you need to be careful and really give yourself the time. And I would always recommend talking to somebody that has some kind of spiritual um, experience or usually I would say a priest or like a brother or sister or a trusted you know, spiritual, not, not your brother or sister, not your brother or sister, <laughs> like a, a brother, a sister. brother or sister. Right. Yeah. Somebody in a religious community. Yeah. There you go. Somebody that's trusted. I would really go that route. It could even be a friend or a parent, but somebody that you trust within the realm of faith and spirituality. Well, you know who I'm calling for my big decisions now? Grandma Rainbow. Grandma Rainbow. That's right. Give her a call. Yeah. Uh, before... Or the spiritual masseuse. <laughs> yeah, right. Before we finish up, um, I do want both of us to touch on well, let, let me t- let me discuss where I've been at in my entire life in regards to discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer is, I, I it was this whole trust my gut thing. I think God's always talking to me. But I don't know if, with an exception to the last few years, that I was, you know, making an effort to ask God for guidance and things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's where I was. Now, that's definitely changed over the last year or two. Um, it also coincides with the fact that I've had some big decisions to make over the last year or two or, or right. maybe three or four. Um, and that's where it's like, okay, these are the bigger things, but, um, that, that I need to talk to God about mm-hmm. and have him, you know, pray for him to guide me in the right direction. But before that, I, I really wasn't actively doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the theme of every episode essentially is better now than never. Right. Um, you know, so if you're a listener who hasn't who hasn't really invited God into the decision making in your life? What I would suggest, or, or you know, look at me four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm happy that I did it then, and as opposed to never. Um, so it's one of those things. If you haven't, you know, there's no better day than today. Um, but w- where were you in, in your entire life? Like, when did you? When do you think? It's a tough, a tough question. But when do you think the first time you put an effort into trying to pray to God and ask Him to? Uh, guide you in a decision or discern well it's definitely when i was trying to go to priesthood or going to seminary that was it that was the uh, that was the moment there was like not praying into what college you like i know you made that example before but yeah i would say maybe like a very very minor example was when i was getting my confirmation and we had to pick a saint and for for a confirmation name and i decided to go with saint joseph and my rationale for that wasn't necessarily the most religious thing in the world but it's that i w- always wanted to be a dad and he was the patron saint of fathers I probably should have considered that a little bit more when I was thinking about going to seminary and everything. But um, he's also the, the that patronage extends to spiritual fatherhood as well. So 
I um, went with St. Aloysius because it sounded so cool. I'm not going to lie. I played CYO basketball, and we played at a St. Aloysius, and I loved playing there because I just loved the name. There it's it incredible. is. So again, a little little different path between your St. name and mine. <laughs> For sure. But um, yeah, I think there, there may not be a specific moment that anybody can really pinpoint because even when you're a kid, there can be, if, if you're raised in a faithful family and they teach you to say your prayers, like you may just innately say like, Hey God, like my grand my grandpa's sick. Like, can you can you heal him? Right. Um, that's not a prayer of discernment, but that's a moment that you turn to God that you may forget about twenty years later. Right. So who know who knows when that happens? Um, but I, you know, as far as conscious, faithful discernment, hundred percent considering priesthood. Right. I had spent at least a couple of years before that learning a whole lot about what that even meant, though. Right. So yeah, for sure. All right. I, I mean, I, I think we touched on a lot of stuff. Again, went over time, and I'm going to stop saying that. We just went at time. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey, we enjoyed the conversation. I hope everybody else does, too. I'm going to say everybody's dropped out 10 minutes into the podcast, but that's <laughs> fine. Uh, so, But again, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, don't forget to connect with us on Instagram. That's at just a parishioner. And actually, every week, we're going to be ho- posting a question on our story, uh, story story that has to do with the topic that we spoke about. So, Sean, what is the question that we're going to be putting on inst- our Instagram story um, for uh, people to answer? Because we definitely want to hear from you. Yeah, this week, we hope that you'll give us an answer to the question, just what are you discerning right now? What's something that God is trying, what you think you need to include God in? whether it's a decision or, you know, a, a direction you're moving. Uh, one way to think of it is, like I said, the, the root of the word discern is the word to learn, right? So maybe ask yourself the question and hopefully respond to our Instagram story. What is God trying to help you learn right now? What, what direction is he trying to steer you in? Yeah, absolutely. So again, that's on Instagram at just a parishioner. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Also, do us a favor and give us a rating, especially since we're a new podcast. Uh, Those ratings go a a very long way. Uh, We'd prefer five stars. I think we earned it today, honestly. Um, That's what you're supposed to say we did. That's fine. No comment. Okay, great. Uh, Weird. And and finally, if you or someone you know uh, would be a good feature for a parishioner profile, uh, you can shoot us an email at weareparishioners at gmail.com. You could also send us a direct message on that Instagram page at justaparishioner. So again, thank you all for listening tonight. God bless everybody. We're praying for you. Please pray for us as well. I'm carrying up myself.